Well, hello, City First Church. We're so glad that each and every one of you are here today. You are in the right place. And I want to start off our time by asking everybody a question, okay? How many of you have a certain way of doing things and you believe that your way is the right way? Okay, don't point to your spouse or your roommate. It's just about you. Okay, for instance, you have a certain way of loading the dishwasher. Okay, you're either going, let's just throw it all in there. We'll see what happens, or else you are scientific, like it is Tetris, measuring the space between dishes, okay? It's one way or another you're passionate about. What about you like to squeeze the toothpaste out of the container a certain way? All right, Adam and I have our own toothpaste containers. It just alleviates a lot of pressure. Okay, and the last one, you have a certain way that you want to put the toilet paper on the toilet paper holder. It is either over or under, okay? Over. People are passionate about this. We actually have a relationship series next month. Come back, okay? But we can feel adamant that our way is the right way. And I hate to break it to all of us, but the truth is, at the end of the day, our way is often subjective, okay? It's our preferential way. But what we know to be true about God is that his way of doing things is not subjective. It's not preferential. God's way is certain. It is matter of fact. It is timeless. And it is true. That's the beauty of our God. And so today we're continuing and also concluding our series that we've been calling Pre-Approved for Financial Peace. And the reason that we've been doing this message series is because we talked to so many people who are so stressed out about their finances. It's causing tension in individuals, tension in marriages. Whether people have a little bit or a lot, there tends to be a lack of unity around this topic. And as your pastors, we want to see you walk in financial peace and financial freedom. You know, our mission statement around here at City First Church is we exist to introduce everyone to Jesus and teach them to follow him. So if you're just checking out this whole Jesus thing, you're just checking out church, you're in the introductory stage, we want to say that you're in the right place. You are welcomed here. You can belong before you believe here at City First Church. And if that's you, I want to invite you to come back next week. Everybody come back next week. Pastor Jeremy's got a great message called Living the Dream. We're going to learn how to dream again for our lives and our families and our marriages. and our, It's going to be amazing. So everybody come back next week. But if you've been coming for a little while, and many people in the room, you've made Jesus a leader and the forgiver of your life. And so according to our mission statement, it's our role and it's our honor as your pastors to continually teach you how to follow Jesus in all areas of life, including financially. Because as Christ followers, our approach to finances is going to look a little bit different than the world's approach to finances. Why? Because we follow the example of our God who is so generous to us and our lives should reflect his generosity and his priorities and his principles. You know, Adam and I have two little boys, they're five and seven, and they're in this discovery age as their worldview is only five and seven years old. And a couple of years ago, especially, whenever they would learn something new, new information to them, They would come and talk to me and Adam, and they would act like we have been purposefully withholding this information from them. 
Like they learn something for the first time. They learn that Springfield is the capital of Illinois, that turtles can live 150 years old. And no matter where they learn this from, they'll come up to us and they will go, why you never tell me that? I was like, I'm sorry, what? They're like, you know, three, four. Why you never tell me that? Why you never tell me that after spider lays eggs, they die? Why you never tell me? And they would act so offended because they were excited to gain this new knowledge and this new information, and they wish they would have learned it sooner. And when it comes to biblical principles in the Bible, we don't ever want you to look at us and be like, why you never tell me that? Okay, so today we're going to do a deep dive into some of the biblical principles regarding finances, and I believe that this is going to empower you, it's going to equip you to live the full life that God desires for you to live. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the title of today's message. If you're not taking notes, write down the title of today's message. We're going to call it First Things First. First things first. This is what we know to be true. When we put God first in our lives, everything else comes into place. When we refuse to put God first in our lives, nothing else comes into place. It says in Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing things, and all these other things will be given to you as well. When we put God first in our lives, the rest of our lives should begin to align around his principles and priorities. So we want to put God first in all areas of our lives, even financially. And do you know that the what topic in the Bible has the most promises? Okay, there are over 8,000 promises in the Bible. How amazing is that? 8,000 promises that God gives to each and every one of us. But out of all the topics, right, love, faith, forgiveness, there are more promises in the Bible about generosity than any other topic in the Bible. In fact, if you're following along on City First app in the notes for today's message, we've listed some of those promises so you can be reading them throughout the week. But here's what we know about God's promises. God wouldn't have given us promises if we weren't going to need them. When do we hang on to promises? When we're having a hard time. When do we hang on to promises? When we're scared. When do we hang on to promises? When we're uncertain. He gave us so many promises about generosity because God knew it would be difficult for us. Many times it's easier for us to trust God with a prayer request, a relational issue, a maybe a health issue, than it can be to trust him with our finances. But we see all throughout the Bible from the beginning to the end, God tells us to put him first when it comes to our finances. And anything that God asks us to do is for our benefit. So we're going to open up the Bible. We're going to read some scripture today. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, go to a next step booth after service, and we'll be happy to give you one for free. So Exodus 23, 19. If there's a word that's highlighted, feel free to shout it out with me. Okay, it says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. There's another verse in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over, that's the promise, with new wine. Now, this was spoken to an agrarian culture who dealt in the currency of crops and produce and livestock. And here we see that they're instructed to bring the very first 
of their increase. Bring the firstborn lamb or the firstborn cattle. Bring the first of the fruits that you harvest or bring the first of the crops that you yield. Take it and bring it to God. But why does God instruct them to not just give some of their fruit, to give some of their livestock, to give some of their produce? Why doesn't he say, just bring whatever you want, whenever you want, whenever you feel like bringing it? No, he instructs them to bring the first because first requires faith. First requires faith. Bring the first of your crops, not knowing if you'll be able to grow more. And that's their currency. Bring the first of your livestock. Bring the first lamb. Bring the first cattle that is born, not knowing if there will be a second born. Bring the first. Bringing the first is an expression of our faith. And honestly, I think God puts the principle of the first in place because if we can't first trust God with our finances, will we really be able to trust him in any other area of our lives? The principles that we're learning today about finances are transferable truths that span to other categories of our lives too. So God is saying, put me first. I know it requires faith, but you can trust me. He doesn't want our leftovers. He wants our first. So we're going to read a little bit more about God's way of doing things when it comes to finances, this time out of Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. Okay, it says this, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? And this is what God says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Here's another promise. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, there's five things that we need to know from the passage that we just read. And today we're going to be talking about and diving into the topic of tithing. Okay, that's what we're really going to talk about. Every week if you come to City First, you hear someone say, this is the time in service. Every time that we gather, we receive a free will offering where we give God his tithes and our offerings. But maybe you're brand new to church and you're going, what does all that really mean? Well, we're so glad you're here today because we're going to explain that. So the first thing we need to know about tithing, basic, is that tithe equals 10% of your earnings. Okay, the word tithe, when translated from its original language, literally means 10%. So that's where it comes from. Okay, 10%. So we're learning that we're supposed to bring God 10% of whatever we have. And as I've been studying, I noticed that the Bible never says to give God 10%. It always says bring God. Bring God 10%. Bring him your first fruits. Why does it say to bring and not give? Because you can't give something that is not yours. You can't give something that's not yours. The Bible says that there's just two options when it comes to tithing. We either steal it or we give it back to God, we bring it to him. See, everything that we have is God's, and when we tithe, we're just giving back to God just a portion of what he's given to us, 
Okay, so here's another question for us today. Does anybody in the place have $10 that they would be willing to give me? DeMonte has $10. Can you guys give it up for DeMonte? One of our amazing leadership college students. DeMonte, how tall are you? Um, six, six and three quarters. Okay, let's go DeMonte. And what size shoes do you wear? Um, 17 or 18, depending on the shoe. Okay, that's pretty impressive. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I just thought, I'm curious, maybe you are too. Okay, so DeMonte, when I said, does everybody have 10 bucks? You jumped out of your seat and you came up here. Why is it so easy for you to give me, well, can I have that $10? Thank you. Why is it so easy for you to give me this 10 bucks? Well, before service, you gave me 100 and said, if I give you 10, I can keep the rest. So that was a good deal for me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Awesome. That's true. So before service, you didn't have 100 bucks. Now you got 90, so you're still coming out ahead. All right. Let's give it up for DeMonte. Lunch is on him after service for his friends. <laughs> okay. So when God tells us to tithe, he's saying, I just want you to give a portion of what I've already given to you. And the reason it was so easy for DeMonte to bring that up here right now is because he didn't have 100 bucks before service. So the fact that he still has 90 is a great deal for him. But we have to remember every single thing that we have comes from God. Everything. You might be like, well, I work hard, but God gave you the skills to work hard. You might be like, I have a great job, but God opened up the door for you to have favor, to have the great job that you have. The very breath that we're breathing, we are on borrowed breath from God. Everything that we have is God's. So we're learning that we're supposed to bring to him or give back to God just a portion of what he gives to us, 10%. Okay, but not just 10%, the first 10%. All right, how many in here like math? Anybody like a math equation? A few people, okay, it's amazing. I do not, so it's amazing that you do. But we're gonna do a little math equation together, okay? Now let's say that you are working hard here in the state line area and you are an Uber driver, okay? And you're amazing at it. Your car is really clean. You've got great air fresheners in there. You got good music playing. You got all the vibes. You have a really great week, and you make a $1,000 profit from being an Uber driver. Okay, so you've got 10 $100 bills. Everybody with me? 10 $100 bills. So if you're going to tithe, how many of these 10 $100 bills are you going to give? One. Very good. Now, if you're going to give, but not just 10%, the first 10%, how do you know which bill out of the 10 to give? Okay, the first one, but how do you know which one is the first one? Great question, right? The first one is the first one that leaves your hand. It's the bill that leaves your hand first. What I mean is if you take that $1,000 of increase, you go home, you pay your mortgage, you go to the grocery store, you fill your gas up with car, this $1,000 is going really far right now. You pay for the internet, you pay for Netflix, okay? And then after everything's paid, you go, well, if I have 10% left, then I'll give that to God. That's not what God is asking us to do. God wants our first. And it can be tempting, I know this, to give your first to the mortgage company or give your first to the grocery store or give your first to the internet, but the mortgage company and the grocery store do not have the power to bless you financially, but God does. 
the mortgage company and the grocery store and the internet company are not interested in your well-being, but God is. And when we give God our first 10%, we're saying, God, I thank you. I recognize that everything that I have comes from you. God, I honor you because you are my provider. And when we give the mortgage company our first, we're saying, mortgage company, I thank you. I honor you. I recognize you as my provider and my resource. But when we put God first, it helps to keep our hearts in alignment. I think we all desire to put God first. We all desire to trust him. But tithing helps us to put that into practice on a regular and consistent basis. It helps us to keep money where it belongs as a resource and put God where he belongs as our source and we don't mix them up. It helps us to keep our hearts in alignment consistently. And here's the thing, God doesn't just want our money, but he does want our hearts and he knows that the two are connected. And what I've learned is that when we bring God our first, he'll make the 10% go further than the 100 or the 90% go further than the 100% if we kept it all to ourselves to begin with. Now, the principle of the first fruit, okay, don't get religious on us. God is not about religion. He's about relationship. So all the rule followers who are like, I intended to pay my tithe first, but my spouse went to the grocery store. You're okay. All right? You're okay. God just wants our heart to be in the right place. You know, Adam and I have our tithe set up in reoccurring giving, so the day we're paid is the day that our tithe gets sent back to God through City First Church. And we love reoccurring giving because it's not even a question to us if we're going to tithe or if we're not. No matter what we're going to tithe, whether we've had a good month or a bad month, no matter what. And God just wants your heart to be in the right place as you do your best to follow his principles. He wants your first, not your leftovers. And if you've been tithing but you didn't know about the principle of the first, that's okay. Now you know. Why you never tell me that? Okay, now you know. All right. But what I like about 10% is it's fair because our God is fair. When you don't have a little, 10% feels like a lot. When you only have a little, 10% feels like a lot. When you have a lot, 10% feels like a lot, right? But God's just saying, I'm asking everyone to do the same thing. It's the same principle that applies to everybody, okay? Because giving isn't about how much you have. It's about trusting God with what you have, Okay? Giving isn't about how much you have. It's about trusting God with what you have. And we see God honor that all throughout the Bible. We look at Mark chapter 12 when there is the widow that brought the widow's might. Jesus was at the synagogue. He's watching people. Talk about intimidating. Deposit their tithes and offerings into the offering box. People are dropping in large sums of money. And then along comes a widow who has two widow's might, which is two copper coins equivalent to maybe a penny today. And Jesus pulls his disciples around. He says, I want you to notice her. The others gave out of, her, out of their surplus. She gave out of trust and out of obedience, giving what she couldn't even afford to give because she trusts in me. Giving isn't about how much we have. It's about trusting God with whatever we have. Okay, the second thing that I want to point out to us that we've learned from reading in Malachi today is if you're anything like me, you read the words where it's saying that we rob God, okay? And you might be wondering, how do we rob God? How do we rob God when he owns it all? 
Well, when you study the scripture and you think about the character of God, we learn there is just one way we rob God when we don't bring him our tithes and offerings. Okay, point number two, we rob God of the opportunity to bless us. We rob God of the opportunity to bless us. We read in there that it says that you're under a curse because you've been withholding tithes and offerings. That's what the curse is. It's not being able to receive the blessing that God wants to give to each and every one of us. And God doesn't put a curse on us. We put ourselves under a curse when we refuse to follow the principles that God has given us when it comes to finances. Now I know what you're thinking. I wish that Pastor Jeremy was speaking right now. He's so much nicer. He's got jokes. Lisa's talking about a curse. Okay, I need you to know, the word curse sounds so intense. In fact, I looked up this passage in about 15 different translations trying to find one that didn't say curse. Even the message translation says curse, okay? There's no getting around it. But what does that really mean? All that it's saying is that you're not able to receive all that God has for you. And remember, God doesn't put us under a curse. He would never do that. He loves you. We put ourselves under a curse when we refuse to do what God instructs us to do. Okay, let me say it like this. As parents, Adam and I desire to bless our children. We love them so much. It is our greatest joy in life to bless our kids to see them thriving, to see them provided for, before, to see them have what they need and even more than what they need. We love to be able to bless our kids, but there are times when our kids limit how much we are able to bless them. Okay, what do I mean by that? If I say to them, okay, boys, if you do your chores around the house, then I'm gonna give you X amount of dollars as a reward, as an allowance, all you have to do is what I'm asking you to do, the chores around the house, pick up this, pick up that, and then I'm gonna give you money as a reward for this. But if they refuse to do these chores, I want them to do it, I'm hoping that they will so I can give them the blessing I wanna give them, but because they have free will, I can't make them do the chores, but if they say, I'm not going to do what you're asking us to do, I am not able to give them what I desire to give them. Our ability to bless them is restricted by their disobedience. I want to give it to them. I know they're going to benefit if they do what I ask them to do, but I can't make them do it. And the same is true for you and for me. The third point I want you to know, and this is really important, is that God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. You are his child. He is crazy about you. He dreamt you up. He knit you together in his mother's womb, in your mother's womb. It says in Psalm 139 that he thinks about you more than the grains of sand along the seashore. He is wild about you. He wants to bless you. Out of all of his other kids, you are God's favorite. Okay, someone's like, finally, I'm a middle child. I'm, one of, I'm a parent's favorite. You are God's favorite. He loves you. And everything that God tells us to do is for our benefit. If there is only one thing that you hear today, if there's only one thing that you walk away with today, this is what I want it to be. Tithing is for your benefit. Tithing is for your benefit. 
It said in Malachi, I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there won't be room for it all. Tithing is for your benefit. And God's blessing might not look like your bank account has doubled, but maybe your car lasts longer or your furnace doesn't go out or you have favor in your job or you get a promotion or you finally have joy and generosity and purpose in being a part of something so much bigger than yourselves. And as child, children of God, you are a perfect candidate to receive God's blessing. You are. It's not for everybody else. It's for you. You are a perfect candidate to receive everything that God has for you. We just need to do what he instructs us to do. It also says in Malachi to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. The fourth thing we need to know, that is, the tithe is given back to your local church. Okay, the tithe is given back to God through your local church. Okay, the tithe, the 10% of your earnings is not meant to be given to a non-for-profit or a social justice cause or the sad dog commercials that have Sarah McLaughlin playing in the background. Okay, it's given back to God through your local church. Okay, after your tithes are given back to God through your local church, then you may want to give to another charity on top of that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, Adam and I tithe 10% every time that we're paid, and then we also give an offering every time that we're paid to Legacy because we love the ministry that's happening through this church. Okay, we look at it like this. Tithing is obedience. Offering is generosity. Offering is on top of your tithes, okay, that go back to God. And after we've done that, there's a few faith-based organizations that are near to our heart and we'll give to them, but first we prioritize our church. And it's our goal to grow in generosity every single year. And I wanna encourage you as individuals to begin to ask God for a vision for your finances. That you would have a vision that you're not just spending all of your time and resource on Amazon and swiping up on Instagram, buying things, that you would get strategic with what God has entrusted to you. But this verse says to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Why? So there may be food in my house. What's God's house? It's his church. So the cool thing is a byproduct of our tithe and of our obedience is that people are nourished spiritually. And around here at City First Church, they're not just nourished spiritually, they're nourished physically, all in the name of Jesus. Last year alone, over 2,738 people made the decision to follow Jesus through the ministry of City First Church. Incredible. Tens of thousands of people have been fed and they were hungry all in the name of Jesus. And everyone who tithes and everyone who gives an offering is a part of these stories. And maybe as I'm sharing this, you're thinking to yourself, but tithing in Malachi, it's so Old Testamenty. But do you know that the principle of the tithe and 10% is all throughout the Bible, from the beginning to the end? I love what it says in Hebrews 7, 8. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. Another translation says by mortal priests, the church. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. Who is always living? Jesus Christ. So yes, in one case, we bring our tithe back to God through the church, but in the other case, every time we tithe, we're giving to Jesus. And I know that God has changed my life. And so if he tells me to give 10%, I'm happy to do it. Before Jesus, I was lost. I was broken. I was selfish and secure with no purpose, without a spiritual family. God has changed my life. When I give, I get to give back to Jesus. Are you kidding me? It's my greatest honor. It's my greatest joy. 
And some of you are waiting to tithe until you find a church that you agree with 100% of the time. You're going to be waiting forever. Okay, but when you are part of a local church like City First that is soul winning, fruit bearing, your place of spiritual covering, don't make it an excuse that we have to agree on 100% of the things. We get to give back to God. Don't lose that through City First Church. Okay, so we get to bring it to him. The last point, and I only have 52 sub points. I'm just kidding. I don't. The last point is this. Tithing is a two-way test. How many of you like tests? Okay, like two people. How many of you don't like tests? You don't even like people who like tests, okay? You're like, not my thing. Okay, but how is tithing a two-way test? It is like this. God tests you, but then you also test God. Okay, we know that tithing, we learned this today, equals 10%. The number 10 in the Bible represents testing. So interesting. So I'm going to ask some questions. I want you to shout out the answer. Here's a precursor for everyone who doesn't like tests. The answer is 10. Okay, how many commandments did God give Moses in the Old Testament? 10. How many plagues were sent to Egypt? 10. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? 10. How many days was Daniel tested? 10. How many times did Laban change Jacob's wages? 10. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? 10. How many disciples were there? 12. Trick question. Hey. But we see all throughout the Bible that people are tested, often in increments of 10. And when we think back to Pharaoh, okay, in Egypt, and the 10 plagues, It says in the Bible that these 10 plagues were sent in an attempt to soften Pharaoh's hardened heart. Okay, some of you may feel a hardened heart when it comes to the idea of tithing or the idea of giving back to God, and that's okay. God knew that that would be the case. That's why it says when it comes to tithing, it's the only time in all of scripture that God says, test me in this. Test me in this. God says, I'm gonna test your faith. I'm gonna test your trust and obedience through tithing. But I also want you to test me to see if I will not only provide for you, but bless you as you put God first. I want us to go ahead and watch an incredible testimony from my friend, Nancy. Having to do something like this, I am like, man, that's that's digging. That's digging down for me. I thought you were just asking me questions and say yes or no, and I'm kidding. It's all right. It's all right. (laughs) My name is Nancy Johnson, and I have been a member of City First Church for 48 years. I am uh, the mom of two beautiful daughters and two wonderful sons-in-law and six grandchildren. Well, my faith journey, I think I had a very shallow faith. I knew the name of Jesus. I knew what he did, but I needed a deep, I needed something deeper because it didn't carry me through the whole cultural revolution of the 60s and the 70s. You know, peace, love, and rock and roll. That's 
that's what it was. And then you get married and start having little kids. And you are like, I, I need something different for my family. So a faith that is different than what I had. I was in a family that was going to the church that Jean Whitcomb and Shirley Whitcomb had started on the corner of Spring Creek and Mulford. That was a, a natural uh, place for me to start, you know, looking for an, an answer to to the answers that I needed. Hearing about a relationship with Jesus and hearing the gospel in a way that I had never heard it before. That was the beginning of the journey. And then it was kind of like I heard there was a need. And so, you know, I felt maybe God tapping me on the shoulder and I would be like, okay, I, you know, I, I can write a check for this. And I think the more that I was involved with church, the more I realized what my tithe was helping to accomplish at the church. That's when the, the obedience to tithe kicked into a level that to me, it was gonna be a non-negotiable anymore. And I tell people all the time, I've never been hungry and I've never been cold. God has always provided. Generosity makes me happy. I mean, on a personal level, I feel good when I can go on Amazon and pick out the gifts that we helped give all the kids at Christmas. It just makes me happy to do it. I think if we really do look at ourselves, and we really think about where we get to live, the church we get to worship in, the family we get to have. If we were really able to sit down and contemplate those things, we would be so grateful and it just flows out of a grateful heart. Incredible. Yeah, you can give it up for God and for Nancy and her willingness to share that story. You know, Nancy's generosity has impacted my life, and I know I'm just one of many. But I love Nancy's testimony that she said, when I started to be obedient to give the tithe, it became a non-negotiable. And when I was obedient and I started tithing, and I was never hungry, I never was cold, I never was thirsty, I never went without. And do you know that everyone I know who ties has a similar testimony just like Nancy's? They say, I started tithing and I see that God bless me. I started tithing and I saw that he started to provide for all of my needs and even more than what I needed so that I could provide for other people's needs. Everyone who ties has a similar testimony. I'm trying to outgive God, but I can't because he just keeps taking care of me. I started to find joy in giving and joy in generosity came to life. Everybody has a similar testimony when they start tithing. Before I tithe, my finances were this way, but after I started tithing, my financial picture changed. But in the same way that everyone who tithes has a similar testimony, everyone I know that doesn't tithe also has a similar testimony. 
People say, I don't feel like I can give. This is what I have. These finances make me feel safe. Or maybe they think I can't give because I don't have enough. I can't afford this. And I want to say with all the sincerity and truth in my heart, if you're thinking to yourself, I can't afford to tithe. I want you to know today, you can't afford not to tithe. God has so much more for you. God has so much more for you. And as a church, we're not going to ask you to do something today other than ask God, God, what do you want my next step to be? And then be obedient to do what he asks you to do. I love this quote from Henry Now when he says, every time I take a step in the direction of generosity, I know I am moving from fear to love. And today is someone's day to step out of fear when it comes to finances and step into obedience knowing that God loves you, he sees you, and he's gonna care for you. And you know, as a church, we're passionate about everyone growing in their faith journey, growing as Christ's followers, learning how to follow him. And that's why you see so many different tools and resources for you to be able to grow in your faith journey. It's why we have growth track. It's why we have a new beginning resource. It's why we have so many life groups. We have grief share and divorce care, all these things, because we want to see you growing into all that God has for you. So in the same vein, we also have some resources and next steps that you can be a part of to help you grow in your obedience to God in the realm of generosity. Okay, so we have something that we've been doing around here for a long time called the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. There's information about it online. You can sign up for it. Some of you don't need to sign up for the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. You already know God is asking us to do this. I'm going to sign up, and I'm going to do it, and that's amazing. If you're married, talk about it together as a couple. Pray about it. Make this part of your conversation. But for those who are going, I desire to tithe, but I just don't know if I have enough faith to do it, what the 90-Day Tithe Challenge does is it says, come on, you can borrow some of our faith. You can lean on our faith. We are so confident in God and what he says to be true that if you start to tithe, you tithe for 90 days, three months, and God doesn't come through on his promises, you let us know and you can have your money back from those three months. Because we are so confident in God and in his promises. We're so confident that it's for your benefit, that he's gonna come through, that he's gonna bless you. We also have something called Generosity Rockstar, and a lot of you have heard of that. Maybe you've signed up for it. We always say it's $20 or more every week through recurring giving. It's a great first step in prioritizing God first, but I want you to know it's a first step. It's not your final step. So some of you have signed up to be Generosity Rockstar, which is amazing, but then you've just stayed there. And maybe it's time to ask God, God, what's my next step? Maybe right now I'm giving 1% of my earnings. How can I move to 2% and then 3%? And by the time I get to tw end of 2023, I'm at 10%. I know it can seem intimidating, but don't do nothing. You can't afford to not follow God's ways for your life because he wants to pour his blessing out on you. Let me go ahead and pray for us today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person who is here today. God, I pray that more than any words they heard from me, that they will have heard from you today. 
that they will have gained your heart for their lives, that they will have gained your perspective for their finances. God, that you are our source and money is just a resource, but everything belongs to you. I pray that we would have the faith and the, and the courage to be obedient, to do what you've asked us to do and to follow your ways, to put you first when it comes to finances. I pray that you would bless my friends. I pray that you would give them courage to be obedient. God, I pray that great conversation will come out of this today and that you would be honored in this house. And with everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, I just wanna take a second, and maybe you are new around here, and we've been talking about living a life of generosity, and the reason we do that is because God has been so generous to us. He sent his only son for us to die on a cross, to raise from that, from the dead and to forgive us of all of our sins. And if you've never made him the leader and forgiver of your life, and you say, I wanna start this trust journey of faith with Jesus, we wanna give you the opportunity to do that. You're not joining a church, you're not becoming a member, you're just simply saying, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I wanna follow him and put my trust in him. I wanna stop trying to do life on my own. If that's you, would you go ahead and raise your hand? No one else is looking around, just me. Seeing some hands go up, which is absolutely incredible. I believe hands are going up online and at every location. If everybody would repeat this prayer after me so that no one's saying it alone. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, that he died for me, forgives my sins, and gives me a fresh start. Today I choose to follow him. And in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give everybody who prayed that prayer a huge round of applause?